We've already visited the New Gate. It's located between the Jaffa Gate and the Damascus Gate. It's called the New Gate because it was opened in 1889. That is much more recent than most of the gates in the old city walls. However, we're going to look at a much newer gate. For that matter, it's also one of the oldest gates in the old city walls. It's called the Tanner's Gate. The Tanner's Gate is an interesting an interesting site. Many people are unaware of its existence. I walked past it several times wondering what it was. The Tanner's Gate is not only the newest gate, but it is not even mentioned in many sites that list the gates. The Tanner's Gate is literally located just a stone's throw away from the Dung Gate. The gate was built in the 12th century by the Crusaders. It opened up to one of the main roads in the city. It was a postern a pedestrian gate that makes it older than any gate in the old city except for the Golden Gate. Suleiman the Great had ordered that gate to be closed and it remained closed for hundreds of years. Before we move on talking about the specific gate, I'd like to recall the words of Messiah in Matthew chapter 19. He said, It is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. What is the eye of a needle? There are many explanations for this phrase. Some consider it to be an expression simply meaning impossible. That would make sense based on the apostle's reaction. There's a similar expression in the Talmud talking about an elephant passing through the eye of a needle. Again, simply meaning an impossibility. Others point out that the word in Aramaic for rope is the same word as the word for camel. That also sounds reasonable. Some object to this explanation because the apostles' reaction was so severe. They were exceedingly amazed. Well, a rope can be unraveled and put through thread by thread through the needle. So they say it can't mean that. Possibly, possibly not. We'll get back to that point in just a few moments. Finally, some believe that the eye of a needle refers to a small gate in which a man could enter but a fully loaded camel could not enter. We have here before us a postern. It's a, it's a pedestrian gate. We have wicket gates, which posterns usually inside another gate. And we're going to talk about those for just a few minutes. Why would you want a small pedestrian gate near a large gate? Well, if you lock the large gate at night, you couldn't have a, a band of robbers rush into the city. It wouldn't be possible. If you had a small gate available, you could open the gate to one or two people to come in, or you could leave it, both of them closed. So a postern or a wicket gate would reduce the risks of attack. So they did exist. We have one on the Temple Mount. God willing, we'll, we'll see that later. Uh, the chain gate is a postern. We see a huge cast iron gate with a smaller door inside. This was the purpose for protection. Many people have looked in vain for a gate in Jerusalem named the Eye of a Needle. There is no gate bearing that name. Some state that there were gates called the Eye of a Needle in both Syria and Egypt long ago. Perhaps I, I can't testify to that. Some theorize that the Eye of a Needle was an expression, a title given to any small postern, period. Some have um, come up with the theory that there was a, a small gate 
that had a narrow opening near the top that a camel's head could pass through. Again, um, that's, that sounds very interesting, but I, I'm not aware of any historical evidence for that. So, in the small gate, a man could walk through it, but a camel would need to be unloaded and get on its knees. I've read that a camel cannot walk on its knees or crawl on its knees, though others disagree. A recent video on the internet shows a camel in India crawling on its front knees. There's another argument in favor of the reasoning behind the theory that the ivy needle refers to the gate. The context of the verse in Matthew is trusting in riches. If the camel must give up its load, its wealth, and kneel, get down on its knees to enter the narrow gate, that would fit in with the flow of the chapter and how a rich person can find salvation if he gets rid of his riches, if he no longer trusts in his riches. That would also make sense for the argument of the word gamla in Aramaic, meaning either rope or camel, and that a rope can be unwoven and passed thread by thread through the eye of the needle. Again, it's saying it can be done. And that goes along with with the response of the apostles and then Yeshua's response. They said, who then can be saved? And Yeshua said, it is possible. All things are possible with God. Back to the Tanner's Gate. As I said, the Tanner's Gate stayed closed until it was discovered by archaeologists after Jerusalem was reunited in 1967. The gate was restored and reopened in 1995. It was dedicated to the memory of Yitzhak Rabin, the Prime Minister of Israel who was assassinated. Today, the gate is still used only as a pedestrian gate. It opens up near some of the archaeological parks just outside the Dung Gate. And when you enter the Tanner's Gate, you are greeted by a colorful mural showing you what life was like in this area hundreds of years ago. So, it's the second oldest gate in the old city walls, as well as the newest gate. It's named Tanner's Gate because of the cattle market that surrounded the gate at the time of the Crusaders. Tanners were not looked highly upon by the Jewish people. In ancient times, tanners used the droppings of animals to turn hides into leather. In the words of the Talmud, the world can, not, can exist neither with a perfume maker nor without a tanner. Happy is he whose craft is that of a perfume maker, and woe to him who is a tanner by trade. Jewish law ruled that a woman who married a tanner could divorce her husband at any time because the smell in her house would, would be so unbearable. Even if she knew that he was a tanner before they were married, she still could divorce him. Maimonides is credited with saying that whosoever worked as a tanner for even one day in his life is unfit for a high office. The scriptures mention a tanner only in the book of Acts. Peter stayed at the house of Simon the tanner, and then he went up on the rooftop to pray. Peter may have relocated to the roof because he could not pray in the presence of such uncleanness, or perhaps he had trouble breathing because of the stench. Today, thankfully, there's no trace of the tanners here, except for the name. <laughs>